Hey everybody, Clint Fosley here and welcome to the 30th edition of the Clint Fosley podcast entitled What Women Are Saying About Dating with David Lee from Daring Deeply. Yes, we are going into the minds and the feedbacks of women in this podcast. So this is a bit of a strange one where generally I typically look at everyone's back history and their story of what got them to where they did. But with David and I, we dove straight into the dating topic and never went back to hear his life story. So it's uh, all about dating and all about what women are saying and the perception. Now, the beauty about David, which which really uh, you sort of alerted me to him, is obviously you know, a great guy, but and and excellent and amazing at what he does. But he focuses on a niche of successful women who have rolled out of you know sort of long term marriages and divorce, you know specifically in that thirty five to sixty year old range, trying to I guess reinvent themselves in a way, but also trying to figure out the new modern dating world, which is you know app driven and and I think the key is well try not repeat the patterns of the past, right? That's a huge lesson to all of us is to is to learn from whatever's happened to us, take that as an our experience and our journey. So, uh, you know, it's a fascinating conversation. For your ears, uh, I had to get my kids to school, and so we stopped at around the two-hour mark, but and I know David and I would have probably gone off for about six hours on it. So uh, it's a really, really amazing episode with just nuggets listed all over it, and I know you absolutely love it. If you're looking for help and you're struggling, as always, you know, our courses are up there, clintfosley.com forward slash help me. If you're looking for coaching, offering your group and one-on-one coaching at the moment, so clintfosley.com, clintfosley.com forward slash coaching. I just want to thank David so much once again for sharing his time so generously. Uh, I look forward to meeting you in person, brother, uh, one day, wherever that is in the world. Maybe or maybe not, we'll be matching hoodies. I know you're all going to absolutely love it. So strap in, enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Ciao. Clint Fosley and welcome to the 31st edition of the Clint Fosley podcast. Today we are joined by David Lee from Daring Deeply. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Clint. How are you? How's, how's your day going? It's going well. It's going well. It's uh, midday-ish here in the States. So, Looking very formal in your um, collared attire there. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to impress you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I see. I see that you showed up the same way. <laughs> yeah, well, you see, uh, dress dress codes uh, not what I'm known for. Um, it's all good. It's all good. To say you, you're very happy, very lucky to actually see me wearing clothing because I live on a beach, so it's generally just shorts and not much else. Yeah. Well, I, I can I, I can relate to that, even though I live <laughs> in the Midwest, which makes me a little odd in this space. But hey, I was uh, I was certainly born in the wrong place, so to speak. So. So let's talk about today's podcast topic. It's an interesting one. Um, and yep. what we've come up with the idea of what women are saying about dating, mm-hmm. um, which, which is an interesting one because David deals with sort of uh, high achieving uh, females looking to either get back into the dating scene from, uh, I guess, from a divorce or separation perspective or, or ones that are just looking to find a partner off to focusing on their career. Is that a, a fair assumption? Yeah, it is fair. Yeah, most most of um, most is or are coming out of divorce, um, maybe decades long relationships. Yeah, and um, it wasn't that way twenty years ago. <laughs> um, long before viral dating, viral? Can we say viral? That got weird. Um, <laughs> online dating, dating apps. Um, yeah. 
those types of things, uh, you know, learning, I, I typically work with women between the ages of 35 and 60. Yep. So really looking to, to jumpstart and, and look into relationships that, you know, when they were in their twenties, you know, 20, 25 years ago, um, the, the landscape of dating was very, very different. So, and I mean, I, I, we typically follow a frame of understanding your backstory first, but I'm, I'm just so intrigued about, you, you know, the, I guess the major resistance for a successful woman who's, you know, come out of a, say a 20 year relationship, let's use that as the frame. Um, do they see that as a failure and do they struggle with getting over of that failure before moving on? Or, or, or what do you see typically? Yeah. What's, what's interesting is that, that um, we have a severe, and they would classify it as this, or maybe it's been outlined by me, you know, and providing them that feedback, but a severe inconsistency between their success and efficiency and really prolific ability to be in their career. Yeah. And if yeah. they have children, you know, hey, I'm a fantastic mom. I'm head of the PTA. I, you know, kick ass at work. Um, and then it somehow doesn't translate to the dating world um, to where and we deal a lot in boundaries, 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 everything. So I can tell a man in the workplace, no, or I can demand or expect what I want to have happen in work and career. Yeah. And then somehow it gets lost on the other side in the dating scene. Um, so, and they do come away from, I'm super successful here, but why couldn't I make that marriage work? Why couldn't yeah. I make that? Um, that long time relationship work or multiple relationships. Uh, and so there's this, there's this bifurcation that happens that is incredibly confusing. Ultimately what we're trying to identify in our work is that there is something that is blocking between I am safe to do it this way, but when it comes to personal relationships, it's, it's more complex, which it really isn't right. Yeah. We're trying to always work in a, in a line of consistency. So much of their dating life looks like this, <clears throat> their career looks like this. Yeah. <laughs> we want everything to look like this. So yeah, there is, it's interesting too. high achieving professional women who um, are successful in other areas of life. Then look at that to your point and say, Ugh, I'm not good at that. So I'm going to continue to lean into this part that I am good at, that I am successful at. Yeah. And we'll just kind of figure out the dating stuff, um, which as you know, is a passive way of, of trying to figure anything out in life. It just doesn't work. <laughs> we'll see what happens. So, Coming from my African heritage, there's the ostrich, right? Just form of defense has put its head in the sand and just just everyone will pass me. Yeah, exactly. I was on a I was on a discovery call with with a woman. Um, she's highly successful, you know, doing doing the whole deal, kind of that that classic story. And she's currently in a relationship after two marriages. Um, she's gone back to a relationship she had in college. Oh, and wow. they have reconnected. And uh, she is admittedly, after a, a little bit of conversation, she's dissatisfied. She doesn't get it. What's going on? Why was why is he this way? And yet she was remaining in it because it was the best that she's had. Yeah. Um, and then it came to this point and I said, and I offered her a little bit of perspective in coaching. I said, um, so how is this going to get better? How do you see this getting better? And this is what she said. I'm not sure. I'm just hanging in there. I'm going to see what happens. Wow. And then, and then I reflected and I said, so-and-so, um, let's just call her Carol. I said, I said, Carol, I've, I know you a little bit. 
you know, I've watched you a little bit. We're on this discovery call. I think you're interested in, in, in moving forward and doing some things. I see you in your career. I see you with your boys. She has two boys, um, one in college and one at home. Um, incredibly driven and uh, really an influential and, and uh, independent woman. And I said, I see all of that in that part of your life. But then I just heard you say, well, we'll just kind of see what happens. Mm. <laughs> that doesn't feel aligned. In fact, it feels a little bit like you've given your power away to this relationship. And it's been very laissez-faire to bring the French into this, right? To say, hmm, we'll just see what happens. Whereas in so many areas of your life, from what I can see and what you've shared, that's not the case. And that was a huge aha moment for her. Like, mm. oh my gosh, I just gave my power away. I gave my influence away to this man and not necessarily that he took it, but she gave it away, which is yeah. so often, which is so often the case is we claim that, Oh, you know, it's just going to be this way. And it's truly not. We have absolutely affluent. We have absolute mastery and influence over how we, how we live in our relationships. And that was a huge, huge aha moment. And it's one that I, I probably deal with every single day. And, and I know you, you, would, you would probably be recording this on your yacht if you knew the answer. Um, but That's coming. That's coming. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to be in the South Pacific shortly on my catamaran, so we can, we can I'll see you. We'll see you there. Maybe um, we can, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you had the magic pull, you know, in terms of, what what that missing piece is because it it is it is it the fact that this is relationship stuff's just too hard so i i'm actually not going to give it my energy or is it as you alluded to that perspective change where they've never actually seen it from that angle and seen the fact that oh, wait a sec i am empowered i can make this decision this is my choice where i can or can't be where do you reckon that blend comes between all your clients yeah, I, I, we're in an interesting, and this talk about the most overstated sentence in every season and every time of the history of time. Yeah. But I will say it here. We're in an interesting time of transition and pivot because we've come out of a post Me Too situation globally and certainly here in the States where women have, have, have been able to have a platform to say Me Too in the sense of not only not only on the on the physical and sexual boundaries and all of that, that that transpired you know specifically in the last several years but now an opportunity for women to truly stand up into their career into their selves um, and what we what we continue to see is that women really really are up leveling as I jokingly say Clint and you could probably associate with this is women are so much smarter than we are <laughs> okay let's let's cut the shit right they they and and as far as an emotional maturity level an awareness mm -hmm. an emotional vulnerability a strength and independence a drive um there is also too a societal narrative that says women are allowed to do work and to do inner work and to do transformation and to tap into the emotional capacity and really up level and be a woman. So you've got these, you've got these two seemingly polarizing ideas. I often say this, I, and I reference John Eldridge's work um, in this is he says that women are told two lies every single day, two lies every single day, whether directly or inadvertently one is you are too much. And the other is, you're not enough. <laughs> so, and women, every time I have a conversation, a woman, client, I'm teaching, speaking, coaching, 
podcast, whatever it may be. Every single time the woman goes, yep, absolutely. So they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Right. So the, the societal narrative, the programming says, Hey, calm down, calm down. You're too much. Right. Stay in your lane. (laughs) Right. Or you're not enough. You're not tall enough. You're not skinny enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not wealthy enough. You're not a good enough mom. Ooh, there's a big one. Right. And so where does a woman find her peace? Right. So she has yet been allowed to stand strong, be equal or more equal, certainly in the workplace, right? Generating levels of income equal or above men now. Um, Her her space and place is more received and accepted. Um, And yet there's still this pervasive patriarchal narrative that says he decides. He gets to say, have his way. And so she's in one way been told, oh, stand up, have your voice. You should be strong, you know, be the boss, babe. Right. And yet that is never taught as far as like standing up and being strong, because then she's told by men, you're too intimidating. Right. I don't like a woman who's intimidating. I often say this to women. I say, if, if he, if you intimidate him, he's not ready for you. Yeah. So what I, what I consistently see is a settling. Women are settling for less than their capacity, for less than what they deserve because they're at a certain level and their, their expectations for the masculine are very, very high and should be. Yeah. On the other side, the masculine, what we have not been taught ever, <laughs> right, is how do you communicate with a woman? How do you make love to a woman? How do you cherish, honor, respect, communicate with a woman to the highest degree of integrity and strength and maintain your masculinity? Like this shit is not taught. No. It should be, right? It should be taught in school, right? There should be master classes on this, and except we're listening to geometry and geography, which, hey, I love maps, but come on, let's get real, right? If we, if we, had, if we had the ability to tap into this <clears throat> deeper level of understanding relationships, communication, boundaries, intimacy, understanding the levels of narcissism and codependency and all that kind of stuff that I work with all the time. Those are, those are lessons that we're not taught. We're just, Hey, go figure it out. And so now women are again, caught between a rock and a hard place, trying to understand what is my place in dating? Who am I? Am I to lead him? Am I to be a strong, independent, driven leader at work? And then the expectation is when I come home, or I go on a date with him that I'm supposed to be less than small silence. My voice It's a lot of confusion. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess a, a question on, on that in, in, in your perspective. So I know some pretty powerful women, right. Who, who yep. kick ass in the workplace, who thought leaders, all that stuff. And the one actually comes to mind, struggled with dating, you know, um, you know, she's the height thing comes in. She's tall. She's successful. She's out there. She, she, she lets everyone know her opinion. Right. But when we've had discussions, she still wants at a certain place in the relationship, she's happy to fulfill that role in the workplace. But when it comes to relationship, she still wants her lion, right? She is going to be who she wants to be, but she wants her, her, her man to kind of take care of her. Mm -hmm. Do you find that struggle between those two 
maybe that's an internal struggle for your clients or, or where's that blend? If that, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. I, um, my example, and it's, it's perfect. You couldn't have, you couldn't have set that ball up for me any better, my friend. Um, I had, yeah, we're, we're right here. We're right here. Um, uh, so I have a personal example. Um, I, I dated a woman, um, summer of last, so summer of 19 and very, very high performance. Um, she was very, very, um, high up in a, in an organization that we are all familiar with. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Um, and, um, kicked ass in every facet of life. And what was interesting and what I found and what she relayed to me during our relationship was she is able to leave all of that at work, disarm, take off her masculine shields and masks and come home, so to speak, and lean into her feminine, literally lay in my lap, mm. release all of that and be taken care of in the sense of not taken care of how it's unfortunately been bastardized, right? Like, oh, you got to take care of someone. I don't want to be taken care of. In the sense, to your point, the lion, <clears throat> pardon me, the king and the queen. Yeah. Is that every high achieving, influential, powerful, independent, driven woman still wants her man to lead her, lead her in every facet, not by control or manipulation, or there's no say it is a symbiotic co-creative existence. But I, I'll tell you this, I, and it was, a, it was a, for, for its container, it was a beautiful relationship because I was able to provide her the lion mm. when all she wanted, that's all she wanted. She just wanted to relax and collapse and lean into her feminine you know, and to kick off her shoes and, 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 and do all that and lean into that. And that's how she knew that she, how she was going to be recharged um, because she had to put on this air of her masculinity, which she did well in the workplace, but she couldn't do that forever. Um, and when you said, when you said mask there or mask, I don't know. It depends how we say Let's it. go mask. Let's mosque. go mosque. Mosque. Yeah. Yeah. M-O-S-D. <laughs> not, not a place of worship, but a mask. A mask. Let's but, say um, it together. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, as, as you said, sorry, going back to before we butchered accents, um, you know, when you said mask, I mean, something we would never, ever, ever understand or comprehend is a woman in a workplace trying to claim her stake in a very, very typically stereotypically or, uh, historically male driven world. Right. I mean, that must be exhausting. Um, for Absolutely. us, it's just, you know, it's just, is what it is. We, we can be who we want to be, but if you, if you're a strong independent woman in that space, it must be, and I, I knew you nailed it by the mask, right? Because you have to be that masculine you have to, mm-hmm. you have to be there. Um, mm-hmm. but then also judge that very fine line between you too much and you too little. Right. So Absolutely. It, must, it must, must be a hell of a task. Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely exhausting because then you still have the bleeding of the patriarchy. You still have the bleeding of the bravado. You still have the bleeding of the, um, the male ego for the lack of a better way to say it to put a woman in her place still, you know, even though she performs and even though she is who she is, she's dealing with, um, she has to be on all fronts all the time. She's, she's, she's always on. Mm. so to speak. And in, in some ways, not, not in all cases, we're generalizing, obviously. Yep. But to always be on and to have that 
that's that stance, right? Even that, that physical projection to say that I'm in charge, right? It is over and above to your point, what we do as men, like we just show up. We're just naturally allowed to say what we want to say, right? Be who we want to be strive for what we want to strive for. Like there's no one telling us that we can't do whatever. No one, right? Because we're men. And what we don't realize, which is really important, I'm glad you brought this up, is for us to step into the femininity, step into our feminine, by the way, and to understand, huh, it's not always the case. So what can we provide those of us, and you are the same, I know, um, those of us that are attracted to high achieving, professional, driven, independent women who we want to stand with us, not behind us, not in front of us, right? But to stand with us, what do we and what can we provide them? because it's not happening. That's what I'm consistently to go back to the theme of this call. <laughs> it is not happening. What women are saying about dating is, uh, guys, figure it out. Men, you've got a lot of work to do. I don't understand, this is what we're saying. This is what they're saying. Um, we're incredibly confused by your lack of emotional maturity and to know how to treat us, love us, cherish us, make love to us, all of that. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a push-pull because we see those women who are standing strong, who are confident in every other facet of life coming down two or three or four levels. So I'll, I'll put myself under the microscope here. Um, and, and so I've, I've never dated a strong independent woman before. Um, Mm -hmm. the, the reason being, for me personally, I don't, until I've done a ton of my work over the last couple of years after my divorce, I don't think I've felt I'm, I'm worthy of one. And yep. the reason saying I've always dated, uh, uh, as an example, you know, my ex-wife never worked, right? Because my ego needed me to be the provider. Yep. My ego needed me to be the, you know, listener, you, I'll do everything, you know? Sure. Um, and, and after getting divorced, I dated similar people. I wanted to be the provider. I wanted to look after everyone. Now, I don't want that anymore, but a lot of that, and, and this may be common, but a lot of that in terms of was actually my ego and the fact that me being the provider made me important. Therefore, I would be loved mm. and not left, right? Which is the exact opposite to what happened every single time. But it, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, I mean, like there, exactly. there, are a couple, me there are a couple of yeah. textbooks around this, right? But it's just, I'm just, yep. you know, as you say that, I'm like, well, you know, I'm attracted to that now, but that's after I'm very, very, very comfortable in my own skin, but it's taken a good couple of years of work, like proper sure. work to, to get there. Yeah. So, so maybe, so, so, so that's me putting me under the microscope, but maybe it's mm-hmm. an evolution of the man as we become aware, as we become spiritual, mm-hmm. as we become conscious of to what's going on, right. that, that, that the, the, let's maybe say the, the pool will get bigger for your clients because they're more men who are becoming woke and becoming I, I, I guess more, more evolved. Right. Yeah. Does that resonate? Yeah. I, yeah no, I, I, I think that, and I've been uh, some of the feedback that I've received uh, with my work is that I speak to women, that I speak to men through women. I speak to men through women. Yeah. In other words, my, my primary work is with women. And yet, so in doing that, I'm indirectly affecting the masculine to say, okay, if, if we are up leveling with the women that we're working with, then they're going to expect and demand something better. Yeah. So, um, and <clears throat> what I'm also interested in moving forward is, is working simultaneously in those containers um, to where 
we are, we are educated. I, I've, I've heard this <laughs> said to me a couple of times, men need you, right? <laughs> men need you. Yeah. Right. My friend. So because we have stepped into that at times, very interesting and lonely work. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a dude who's actually working on me. Like what, what is, what, what do you mean? Huh? Um, <laughs> because we have been driven to work at work and work is work. Yeah. Right? Everything yeah. else is, eh, that's, that's something else. I'm not going to work on my daddy issues or my mommy issues or all of that stuff. And for those of us, for those of us that have made it incredibly important to your point, what you just said a little bit ago is it up levels our confidence to, to stand strong and to stand with an equally yoked partner mm. who is of those archetypes, strong, passionate, driven, successful, all those types of things. And I think, again, I think that, and I get this consistently from women um, in this space is men tell me that I intimidate them. Men tell me I intimidate them. Men tell me I intimidate them. And again, what I say is it's time to move on to something else. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. I would consistently, here's my microscope. I would consistently attract and be attracted to women who wanted a hero. Yeah. Who wanted to be saved, who wanted to be fixed, right? Who wanted um, someone with whom to go, oh, you know, the damsel in distress, come and save me, the fairy tale bullshit that we often talk about, right? Um, I want my prince to come and save me, those types of things. Yeah. Those women were incredibly attractive to me because I could do something about it, to your point. The reason why your ex didn't work is you then that allowed you to step up and stand strong and maintain and really pour into your ego, right? Me too. So yeah. if a woman doesn't, this is interesting. This just kind of came top of mind. The male ego is incredibly bruised if we feel like we're not needed. And we've been told from a societal narrative, cultural narrative, right? Ancient, actually, that the way that we are desired and loved is that because we provide these different things, money, provision, safety, security, comfort, those types of things. Mm. We provide the feminine a nest, a home, security, provision. If we don't, and by the way, aren't perfect at it, we have the risk of what you just said of abandonment. Yeah. She will get fed up and be drawn to the other guy in the other cave who is providing that, right? So I will stand with you, my friend. I have serious, okay, maybe not, not as serious, um, abandonment issues. Yeah. Oh my gosh, if I don't do this, she's leaving. And that's- If and I that's, don't perform. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, our, I mean, that's, you know, if, if you look at my pattern of my life, that's my life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, my, my, my ex went with some other dude who had more money. Mm -hmm. My parents abandoned me because I stayed in my marriage. So that I had all that stuff going on. Yep. And- the, the irony of me trying to not get abandoned was yeah. completely the wrong fucking way, right? I mean, right. all I was doing was giving, 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 giving more of myself because the more I gave, the more I thought or more I was under the illusion that no one would abandon me. Yep. Now, <laughs> it, it's a broken model because the, the way I actually try to explain it is, say, for example, you trained for the Olympics for four years. Yep and you stick on a training routine, let's call the training routine, giving everything of yourself and you don't make the Olympic team. 
mm-hmm. for the next four years, do you just train harder or do you change your training program? Now, I'm the dickhead who trained harder for six Olympics, you know, for 24 years, but never and kept getting the same results until reflection came. Well, why don't you put all that energy and all that time into yourself, actually making you whole? Then right. suddenly that magic word boundaries come in place and all the shit that you tolerated, that you tolerated, not the other person did, you tolerated and were never good enough, um, mm-hmm. suddenly becomes an issue. So mm-hmm. when, when you're a giver, and, and if anyone is a giver and this resonates, there's an amazing book called Noble Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover. Read it. Um, it's sensational. Um, mm-hmm. but, but it's you suddenly don't tolerate that stuff because you're standing in your own power, right? That's right. And that's, yeah. that's been, that's, geez, that's, that's my soapbox. That's, that's my uh, last six years and two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I consider myself, I consider myself a master and expert in boundaries because I had none. So, so I've had to, yeah. the, 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 the anxiety of life or the, on the precipice of oh, shit, I have nowhere else to go. I got to learn this boundary thing yeah. to be able to say no. And uh, as one of the four agreements, um, the four agreements book um, to take nothing personal. It's a huge part of my, cause I grew up in a space to where um, it was, we took everything personal. So, because we don't want to hurt feelings and we don't, therefore we don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings, which is all boundary work, all of it. So I would do, I, I would do in relationships in the past, I would do whatever it took to please, to give, <laughs> right. To earn, right. To earn the love, one more day, she's going to stay one more day. She's going to like me one more day mm-hmm. um, and give, 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 give. And I'm not giving of back to myself. And so therefore then I lose me. And then I have to try to figure out what all that means. Like, where did I go? I was lost in, in the middle of a relationship. I became enmeshed with someone and there was no longer a separation between her and I, um, which is which is a huge, <laughs> which is a huge thing coming out of divorce. Yeah. Coming out of a long-term relationship is you are not only working tr- to try to figure out life after relationship with, with so many women that I work with, like, what does it look like? My roles have now changed. My income has now changed who I am as a mom. If children are involved has completely changed. And now what's my, place? How do I operate under this new paradigm? Who am I? I'm a woman. And this was the course. I knew where I was going to go. And now I don't. Everything has been flipped upside down. And now I'm trying to relate to dozens, hundreds of different men, as opposed to one that I was singularly focused or perhaps two, whatever it was. But it was like, from the time that I was young, this, this was my path and it's no longer my path. So you have all that confusion. Not only you're trying to understand what my life is post-divorce, post-relationship. And now I got to figure myself out in multiple, potential multiple different relationships and not fall into, fall into, well, I'm just supposed to be in a relationship because the whole world tells me I'm supposed to, right? We have this powerful addiction to coupledom. This powerful, the siren song that says everyone should be in a relationship. If you're not, you're less than. See, see, I can, I can resonate with that so much because 
I think when you, especially when you, when you, when you come out of a divorce and, and from what, what I know you've done that as well, I, I was, mm-hmm. I wasn't in a panic to get into a relationship. I mean, you, you've got a huge part of you gone, right? Because you're, sure. I mean, I was married for 20 years. So you, you've, you've, you've always looking off for me. I was looking after in air quotes mm-hmm. after someone else and I needed sure. someone to look after, you know, yep. again, Absolutely. because that was, that was how I was filling my void. But I've actually got to a stage and I think when, when we first met, we did another, another, you know, that dating call we did with Chantel as well. Right. Um, I, I'm actually at that stage and I never thought I'd ever get there, um, where I'm, I wouldn't say I'm not too sure about a relationship, but it has to be so sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I'm, I've got my life and this is taking a shit ton of work, right. Where I'm so happy. Um, and everything is so good. <laughs> and I have so much fun that the relationship needs to be sensational mm-hmm. and it almost needs to be, uh, I guess, independent from where I'm at, but also dependent, right? You know, so, so almost dual lives in a way. Do you, do you, with your clients, do you see that shift when they come out, they craving for another relationship because, you know, humans are habitual. Um, I guess that's what we want. That's what we know. And then as they, as your clients evolve into a, into their own power again, do you see them shifting their attention to, well, I'm going to keep my life and I want someone with their own life, but then we can share these special moments. Or how do you see that blending? Yeah, it is, it is both. And it, it's, it's an evolution. Um, I think there's, there's, um, there's really a prolific, um, every time I mention the words codependency and narcissism, <laughs> right? Everybody comes up and goes, Oh, that's me. Oh my gosh. This and that and the other. And I really follow the work of Ross Rosenberg, who wrote a book called the magnet, the human magnet syndrome, where he where he contends. And I, and I believe in his research that everybody is on the continuum of codependency or narcissism, yeah. everyone. Right. And so we vacillate back and forth. So when we come out of those types of relationships, which are most right, there is this, there's a couple of things. One, I'm scared to death yeah. to do that again. So I'm going to go and swing the pendulum violently the other way and go through a fun stage where I sleep around and I just do casual shit and you know, all of that, or (laughs) I stay there because that's, what's comfortable. Yeah. Right. So I know, I know a narcissist, I know a codependent. So that's what I'm going to be magnetically drawn to. And I want to stay in that space because it's comfortable as I like to present an ideal is a visual that I often share with my clients. And it's this, let's imagine a mountain, right? And you are climbing up that mountain. This is the mountain of life, right? And you're going up a couple of steps, right? 500 feet. And then you're coming back down. You stumble. There's some shifty rock area and you stumble back, but you take really giant steps. Okay. All the while on your side of the mountain, there are other people right along with you doing the same thing and you meet with them and maybe you date them and, you know, metaphorically, And as you're climbing the mountain, what you don't know is on the other side, someone, a male, female, whatever, is doing the same thing and they're struggling and then they're succeeding, they're struggling and they're meeting people and they're finding all this. And then one day, perhaps you both crest the top of this mountain and you look at each other and go, you too? Yeah, me too. Mm. Meaning you both have done independent work. You have both done leaned into transformation and healing and understanding trauma bonds and codependency and narcissism and all the crap, right. And under, and gone through therapy and coaching and all the, all the things. What's important is once you crest the mountain and you see each other is that you continue to rise independently. 
what tends what tends to happen for those that don't do the work that maybe slide around the side of the mountain and meet you not where you're supposed to be yet. Yeah. Right. Which is what happens is you become enmeshed again. Right. And you lose your identity again. And so, and it feels good to be loved and cherished and honored and let's go do everything and let's become one and all that kind of crap that, (laughs) that is promoted by rom-coms and Hallmark cards and love songs, et cetera, et cetera. But once you reach that crest and you find someone who has been on the same path, who has done the work and is ready to move forward independently and interdependently symbiotically, you're co-creating where it's like this as you rise right? And sometimes you're out here and sometimes you're here and sometimes you're here, but you're always, you have this home identity, which is what I like to refer to. You always have a home to return to. Which which is your your space, right? Which is, which is, which is a, it's both, right? You have a collective home space. I often refer, refer to this as no matter where you go on the planet. Okay. It could be down the street. It could be on the other side of the planet is there is always home to return to with that person. Meaning we have that check-in. We have that understanding, that interdependency. We have that relief, that peace, that contentment. Um, Much like I was describing this woman that I dated last summer. Mm. She found home. She found peace with that. She was able to disregard the crap and the armor that she has to put on to get through her day. Now she has an ability to, to reclaim, get back to rejuvenate, and then we can go and we can conquer the world in, in our particular. And sometimes those couples co-create together on a vocational level. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's much more on a familial level. So with children, if that's, if that's the case, um, but we always retain that independence. That's for me, that's the ideal is that it's both and, and oftentimes we say, Oh, well, you know, uh, and I hear this all the time. He's just doing his own thing and I never know what's going on and he doesn't share with me and da, 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 da. And he's out with his buddies and he's doing his thing and he's out in the garage and he's you know, do, doing all the things that he loves to do because he doesn't want to lose himself, which I understand. But it's that fear, that scarcity level of mm-hmm. losing the self that prevents us, the masculine, from leaning all the way in to understand that we are confident, like the work that you and I have been talking about doing. We're confident in ourselves to know that we will not lose ourselves. And now we're in a space to where we can lean into a potential relationship where she's doing the same thing. It only works. It only really works ideally if she's done the same. Again, we've crested the mountain simultaneously. That's such a beautiful analogy. And and if if you had to... summarize what i'm looking for then then that's it right that's that's mm-hmm. that's pretty much and and will not accept anything less exactly and it, and if exactly. you had said that to me four years ago that that's what i'm after i'm like who are i fuck you like, who am i looking after like that you know i wanted the white picket fence i wanted the blended family you know the adam sure. sandler movie love it yep. um but <laughs> but that's what i was after because that was a my safe space and that for my ego made me feel whole even Absolutely. though, even though it was broken, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so we've mentioned narcissism and codependency and let's just, let's just go down that rabbit hole. I know it, right? Sure. Um, Absolutely. I, I, this I is when people's a, ears are perping up like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Skip to 44 minutes in because we're about to get real. <laughs> I, I had, I had a superpower to attract Knox, which was amazing, which came to mommy and daddy issues as it turns out. There you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm assuming you're going to be getting the codependence, not the knocks, right? Because the knocks, there's nothing wrong with them. So they're not 
typically going to come see anyone for help. Sure. Yeah. Um, me just thinking on the spot, which is always dangerous, but if you're looking at a super high successful, powerful woman, who's kicking ass at everything she does, as you said, head of the PDA, they yep. must be a codependent on steroids, right? That they must be sensational in terms yep. of a source for a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you see typically or, or what's the pattern? I mean, I know it's tricky. What's the typical pattern with your clients? Yeah. So th- what's tip, what's typical is that <clears throat> because we have the armor, because we have the bravado stance of that woman mm. uh, with her children at work, career, those types of things, then she believes that if she lets that down, then she is welcoming in a strong, powerful, influential, charismatic, sexy man to come in and lead her. Yeah. And so she disarms and it often welcomes and invites narcissistic behavior. Right. And she has this switch that turns off that says, wait a minute, that's attractive. I I recently taught a webinar, um, to a large group of, of single folks, uh, divorce folks. And I went through this, this um, idea and I made a list of all these really attractive personality traits, <laughs> decisive, strong, powerful, sexy, blah, blah, you know, all this kind of thing. And I'm like, that is why individuals are attracted to narcissism because all of those traits are part of narcissistic behavior, <laughs> right? They're veiled, right? What they're doing is they're covering up insecurity. Yeah. Because as we know, narcissistic behavior is the most insecure, right? So we have to, narcissistic behavior is a stand up to protect a false ego, to protect a wounded heart, you know? And so we stand up and then we try to control and manipulate and breadcrumb and gaslight and all that kind of stuff. And that, and a, a woman who is so, so strong all day long to your point, and then wants to come home and not lead, mm and not take the reins can certainly attract that type of, that type of behavior. So yeah, it is ripe for the, and I will say, say this too. I am an ongoing recovering codependent. I attracted narcissistic behavior mm. in the feminine. So my father, God bless him, um, leaned toward narcissism. So I was in that environment growing up. And then I attracted similar women moving forward because mm. it felt normal. I wanted someone to take care of me. I wanted someone to provide an environment that felt safe because that's what I thought I lacked. I couldn't provide that for myself. So yeah. I attracted that. So in, in my situation, yes, it's often, it's often derived as narcissism is a masculine thing. Codependency is a feminine thing. It's not true. Um, there, there, there tends to be more cases. No, no, right, no, right, no, right. No. <laughs> so be, because I hear from women and they tend to have louder voices and that's fantastic. Yeah. They're actually speaking in their truth and saying no more. Um, we tend to, we, we tend to fall, fall into that, that false paradigm. But they're, like, like I said, and I follow uh, Mr. Rosenberg's uh, theories is that we're all on a continuum mm-hmm. between codependency and narcissism. So those, that, those of us that swim typically more so in the codependent range, we will jump over and want to control the world and manipulate and do things to get our way more of a narcissistic approach. Um, but it's, it's, you're absolutely right. It could be. And then, then the, the woman that is high achieving, powerful, you know, all of those things that we've been describing, um, she could certainly be swimming in the narcissism and of course attract, you know, a man who tends to be more codependent. So. Because 
you know, narcissists, are, are, I refer to them as the shiny things, right? I mean, they're, they're very appealing uh, from the surface level. Um, so, so absolutely. So that. But absolutely. secondly, they use the source or their partner as validation for themselves. So I'm sure, sure. For, a, for a narcissistic man, a high-powering, successful would be amazing for their ego because they can live vicariously through that source. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Projection, reflection. Um, yeah. We tend to, if, if, we, if we are still really in the midst of doing work and healing, we are still going to be so codependent and find something that fulfills us. So Jerry Maguire was a fantastic film. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. You complete um, me, David. <laughs> what'd you say? I said, you complete me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, Tom Cruise's character, Jerry Maguire, says to Renee Zellweger, you complete me. And all the women in the world went, no, ah! right? Okay. Um, and it's, 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 and I'm not, you know, God bless Cameron Crowe who wrote the script. Okay. It's cute and it's wonderful. At the same time, at least I hope he did. We'll probably hear that, you know, somebody will write in and go, that wasn't his script. Okay. Um, love you. Thank you for Googling. Um, it, 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 those types of, those types of narratives have hurt us, you know, because it feels good. Like, Oh, I feel like somebody is here and they're completing me. I was so bruised and broken. Like those phrases are so like, I'm so anti-broken. <laughs> like you're not broken. I feel like that we are born whole. Then we just spend a lifetime trying to heal those, those spaces to understand that our wholeness again, it's yep. our misconception of what happens when we're told, when we're shamed, when we're told we're not good enough, when we're bullied, all of those types of things is what takes away from our wholeness. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, we're absolutely complete. We don't need to be completed by anyone else. And that's the work that has to be done. You know, that's the work that we, we continue to talk about. So if we feel like that we are less than, it gets back to my point about coupledom, yeah. you know, and feeling like we have to be in a partnership. We have to be together. Do we desire that? Are we designed to be that way? Some would say, yes, I tend to, um, but not at the expense of losing the self. And that's what most, most of the time happens. Okay. Should we, should we get on to what women are saying about dating? Cause I think we've <laughs> probably gone for an hour and we haven't got there. Right. <laughs> you know, and, like when are we going to get to the juicy stuff? Yeah. yeah and, and, and we're not going to do your life story because we're going to run out of time and I've got to get my yeah. kids to school in an hour. So right. Right. Yeah. I've got to wake them yeah. up in an hour. No, I've got to wake them up in an hour. No, let's, let's leave it at that. That's so, funny. Yeah. So let's, um, let's move across to online dating. You, 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 you've sure. alluded to that. You've alluded to that a bit. So, what is it like? I mean, obviously I'm, I'm based in Australia in a small coastal town. So there are like eight people on Tinder, I think, but, um, but from, from a, from a US demo, yeah. Swipe, 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 down. Have you swiped them all? Have you swiped them all clean? <laughs> yeah. Actually, the, right. the, the mm -hmm. funniest, one of the funniest story about Tinder, I was, I was sitting, I was in work in Sydney in a bar after work. And there was this guy sitting on Tinder Well, he was on Tinder, but he was on his phone drinking a beer watching like a game of like rugby or something on, and he was just doing swipe right. So he was just swiping constantly, right? Not even looking. <laughs> and I'm that's like, funny. that's an odds game, right? <laughs> it is an odds game, right? It's a volume game. It's like sales. How many sales calls are you going to make? Right. How many are you going to close? How's mm -hmm. your funnel looking? No, he, it was hilarious. He was just like that. And he was just like, 
Well, he's uh-huh. going to get lucky tonight somehow. <laughs> Depending on our definition of lucky. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Right. But anyway, lucky so, so you, so yeah. you, uh, I, I'm, I'm not an online dating fan personally, but, but I get it because, you know, single dad, three kids, not much, you know, times, times a very, very precious commodity. How are your clients finding the online dating world? Because it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, I know for myself when I came out of a 20 year relationship and I went online, I scared the shit out of me, right? I was like, Holy moly. Um, it's a different world. Um, so so how, how are they transitioning to that? What advice do you give them? And do you believe online is the way to go? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three questions. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, lots, lots to, lots to chew on there. Mm. Um, the, the general overall consensus, it's like the dirty little secret that everybody knows is yeah. that online dating sucks. Yeah. Now I say that somewhat wink, wink, tongue in cheek, um, because I also believe that it is a tool much like Facebook, much like Instagram, much like anything else in our lives, a hammer we use in the workshop, right? A hammer can be done, can do some terrible things <laughs> and it's a very useful tool. Mm-hmm. So for me, from my perspective and the, and the, and the feedback and perspective I give to uh, my clients is use it as a tool, but it's a tool. So it's only as good as you make it. It's only as good. And that's why it's such a high idea of, you know, what are you putting out there? What are you attracting? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what are you choosing to engage? So th- this is, again, this goes back to autonomy and mastery of the self you and you alone are deciding on who comes into your world. So the gentleman in the bar who's swiping right the whole time, right? He's inviting everyone into his world. Yeah. Now, will he choose to respond to them? Who knows? Maybe that's just the numbers game. That's what he's doing. Okay. What I also hear too, is that it's absolutely exhausting. It's a part-time job. Right. Because you're going and you're sifting through and you're sending messages. And then there's three women or there's three men that, that are semi-finalists. Right. And now you boil it down to two or three and you got this date on that weekend and then you're going to meet them for coffee the next day. And then those types of things. Well, that's a part-time job too. And then what I also hear is goodness gracious, I, I don't want to waste my time. So how do I discern whether someone is worthy of going on a first date? I mean, we've got all these questions. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of to cut off your nose to spite your face environment in that, is it super easy? Yeah. Can you meet hundreds of people? Uh Uh-huh. So you have lots of choice. You have lots of variation, which at first blush seems really attractive as opposed to when we were younger, if I may throw you into my age group, my friend. 45. Where it was (laughs) 27. (laughs) Um, is when we were, I'll I'll give you a couple of years, um, is when we were traditionally dating, you know, teens and twenties, how did you meet someone? You went to a bar, you went to a club, you went to the grocery store, you had a buddy introduce you to his sister, whatever. Right. And so obviously the choices were limited and that was okay. Right. I mean, goodness gracious, hundred years ago, you know, to your point, a small coastal town, you probably dated and married, you know, the neighbor because who else are you going to meet? Right. Well, now we now have the option to meet anyone, everyone all over the planet. So the options are vast, which can be incredibly titillating and attractive until it starts to bite you. 
I mean, like, oh my gosh. I mean, I've had, I've had clients who will get on a dating app and 24 hours later, they're off. They're done because they have hundreds of messages coming in and it's completely overwhelming. Where do you even begin? Right. And then the whole notion of the dating app is based on what? Well, a visualization, a, a picture. Exactly right. right. It's, it's a picture. And if you are wise enough, mature enough, grounded enough to actually read her bio <laughs> or read his bio, right? Which, again, I'm going to go back to the point. Women are smarter than we are, right? Have we established that, Clint? Right? Yeah, we they are more in tune and they will read, right? So if I, if I provide some counsel and perspective to men is get with your writing game, bro, right? Like get serious and actually write who you are, right? Get rid of the, get rid of the picture where you're holding the fish. Okay. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care. And please don't have any pictures with your buddies where you're trying to hide. You know, I hear that all the time. We talked a little bit about this on the, the deep dive project, right? We did. We did. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's those types of things that women are starving. You know, if we're just going to kind of stare at that container for a moment, women are starving for depth. They're starving for substance, you know, on these, if we're going to do the dating app, we want substance. And once that conversation starts, please be original, mm. please not. Hey, hi, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous. You're stunning. You're sexy. Okay. Women hear that all day long, either directly or indirectly. So women are saying, please, 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 please be different. Be strong, be confident. So, so here's a, you know, looking at the, um, the dating app as, as you talking, I'm thinking once mm -hmm. again, dangerous, but you, you almost want to get in. Like I would, uh, I would assume that the, the people always say, you know, the best place to meet someone is through a friend or through, you know, like a, through the network, right? Because the person in, in the, in the crossword are pre-vetted in a way, right? They're part of, Absolutely. you know, they, they just come from a similar, similar, I guess, grain, you know, you all sure. share the same values, all that stuff. Yep. What are your, and I don't know if you offer this as a service, but surely for your clients, the ideal, because they all live very, very busy lives. And I'm looking at myself, an example, you almost want this pre-vetting and, mm -hmm. and, and do they use sort of dating services where it's like, you know, here are 10 men who have done the work, who are successful, mm -hmm. who do want the same thing. Is that common mm -hmm. for your clients to kind of look for that service? Because if I sit here and I look at myself, I'm like, you know what? I, and I don't mean this in the nastiest way. I'd love to outsource that. Absolutely. Because, yeah. because when you say about the exhaustion, like, you know, if I match with someone online, like between my three kids and driving them around for fire, like I don't have the time to actually meet you. And I mean that in the nicest possible way, but like, Absolutely. there's so many hours in my day. Right. Do your clients go towards that service? Is that something you offer? And, and are you seeing a trend towards that? Yeah. I, 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 what I consistently see are there there are those women who are truly standing up being strong and considering that type of depth to understand whether it's whether it's a service with me whether it's yeah really taking and 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 removing the dating app perhaps you know as a tool that's no longer a tool and no longer functioning and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't work for them what what i what i try to always get back to the baseline is if you are continuing to go fishing in the same pond and you're catching the same fish. What do you have to do? Mm. <laughs> and you're despite, you know, by the way, you're dissatisfied with those fish. What do you have to do? You have to go to a larger pond or a lake or an ocean, right? And so 
in order to do that, you have to, again, we're always going back to shifting back to the personal work, the self-work, because the law of attraction is absolutely real. You are going to attract the person that's in the mirror. Now, the question is, do you like that person? Is that somebody you want to date? And be real about that. Because we consistently see what I consistently see is seasons, most likely coming out of a relationship where we have a little bit of resentment, have a little bit of anger, a little bit of bitterness, right? We're like, oh my gosh, we're all the good men at, we're all the good women at, where are they at? And the reality is you are attracting what you attract. So in order to get out of the pattern, interrupt the insanity pattern, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We have to change our paradigm. We have, in some ways, we have to change our geographic location in which we are meeting people organically. So if that's the way we want to do, we can't go to the same spaces and places. And if our, as the old adage is, you are the average of the five people closest to you. Yeah. If that needs to change, if the people that those people are bringing to you are not of your caliber anyway, you have up-leveled, you don't want that type of social group anymore in which to have a pool to date, then those decisions and only those decisions are made by you. Mm -hmm. And that's super hard because as we know, when we up-level in life on a personal basis, people in our lives begin to fade away. And then we have to move into other circles and that's painful right? It's hard to lose people that we've been close to for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it is. And you're more important. You're more important than preserving a relationship that no longer serves you the way that it needs to. That's super, super important. And I realize that it's hard. So my clients are really caught between that space because they want some level of security and comfort, something they know, because we return to that, right? We want we want to know that something is the same, so to speak. And that's, well, and that's tricky as well, because as you, as you evolve and as you, as you up-level yourself, yep. the, the, those who are left behind, you know, not in a nasty way, they, they struggle with that. Absolutely. You know, people, for whatever it is, as you, you know, keep going like this, there's, I wouldn't say resentment's the right word, but there's kind of that angst of, oh, you, you're not too good for us. Or, you know, they'll, Absolutely. You'll, you'll get a lot of that thrown at you. So, you, yep. and I know myself, you've got that internal dialogue. We're like, you know, shit, my trajectory is there. I don't yep. want to stay here. I want to go there. And, and, exactly. and a lot of, a lot of those close to you and a lot of those who supported you when you were in your darkest hour struggle with that. So, so you do Absolutely. have that internal wrestle. Yeah. And, and when it comes to, goodness gracious, when it comes to the, then adding, adding the inks to the dating <laughs> to it, oh, it becomes, I mean, we're, we're, in some ways we're talking about two different things, but it, but if we are truly wanting to up level, which means we take our game to another level completely, yeah. not just, not just our friend circle or our dating circle, but our career circle, our social circle, who we choose to interact with, who are we inviting into our inner circle to help us move to that trajectory as you were indicating, right? Mm-hmm. So again, are the, are, are the five people and maybe, you know, those that are listening and watching this, you know, right now, um, they're looking around at the people that I, they've dated or are dating and go, huh, man, I am stuck. Mm, what does that mean? What do I need to do? More often than not, what humanity will do is do nothing. Our tendency is to do nothing. <laughs> we don't <laughs> not, like to up, not to go backwards. <laughs> What'd you say? I said humans don't like change. No. No, we don't. Um, and because we like to return to some sort of level of comfort to know, we want to know what it is. That's why in so many ways, globally, this pandemic has been so difficult and challenging for people because now we're stepping into, 
not now in March, February of this year, we stepped into a level of uncertainty. We no longer can predict how school is going to be for our children, how work is going to be, mm. our financial situation, how we go to the grocery store, <laughs> whatever, has all completely shifted. Well, that's what's scary about dating is you mean I have to change my geographical locations as far as who I choose to go see? Mm. Like I need to change grocery stores because possibly I want to meet somebody in that space, right? Or, hey, I need to join this social circle or this social club, or I really love to write, or I love to whatever, play volleyball, whatever hobby it is. Yeah. yeah it's going to be difficult to step into that. So, and the rewards are plentiful. Can be. So when you say geographic location, obviously, you know, the States is an enormous yeah. place. So are you, are you mm-hmm. saying your clients that are in smaller towns go into the cities or change or, or, or what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for asking for clarification. So I have some clients where I will say that they, they continue to frequent the same spaces in a, in a particular town or city. So the same and I am, I, they get the same guy. Exactly. And I'm like, well, that's because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, for those of us, again, we're going to age ourselves here, Clint, for those of us that remember the American television show called Cheers. Norm. Right? Norm. Norm. Right. Mm-hmm. Norm went there forever. Right. Even the theme song where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Right. Okay. It feels so comfortable to do that. Right. Oh my gosh. Everybody knows me. Right. We know everybody. But what that does, that lends into that complacency. It lends into, yeah, of course you're going, you're meeting the same men with different faces because it's the same men going to the same sports bar. Mm. So if we drive 20 extra miles, get an Uber, take care of yourself, get a hotel room, an Airbnb, whatever you need to do, go with your girlfriends, go with your guy friends and literally displace yourself. Yeah. Literally displace yourself or you can get into, especially today, you can get into social media circles, groups, Facebook groups, goodness gracious, where you are going because of an affinity toward a particular thing that you love. Well, yeah. now, goodness gracious, you're meeting people from potentially all over the planet. Here's something that I will say is let's utilize our global capacity for good now. Mm-hmm. So there's this large group, um, and I'll give them a little bit of a shout out called the Unwed, and it's based out of Salt Lake City. Um, here in the States. And now it's, it's, a, it's really on national. There's five, 5,000 members. And it's, it's, it's a really, it, it was really designed um, for a support group for divorced folks. And there consistently is, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. It's supportive. It's funny. It's, you know, there's people are really raw and, and, and it's provided a lot for a lot of people, but consistently somebody will say, Hey, how far would you drive for a relationship? And what's that? What's that? I'm intrigued by that. Yeah. Uh, I will say the overall, because again, what happens is when you hear that question, you think you you go back to a limited narrative Mm -hmm. that says convenience, ease, simplicity, right? Which all can be trigger words for complacency. Really? Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, and, and limiting, Right. And I'm not suggesting that, that, that folks, oh my gosh, I want to be able to drive to the person's house at a moment's whim. Like this is building a connection with somebody. I don't want to have to whatever plan my trip. What I will suggest and what I suggest not only to myself in my personal dating space and to everyone else, my clients, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'll just give you an, an example. So in that client or in that comment thread, this is what I wrote. 
hashtag frequent flyer miles. <laughs> Meaning do whatever you have to do. Yeah. So if the person lives in another city, you know, in my case here in the States, you know, here during the pandemic, flights are super cheap, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And I am not going to put personally, and I'm not going to help coach and, and put a perspective on a limitation like that. Because what if that person is in Vancouver and you're in Miami? What are we going to do? Shut the door? Yeah. Right? We, and what I'm saying is keep it open. One of my, uh, one of my mantras is to always be curious before critical, always be curious before critical. So I never completely shut a door before I crack and see what's behind it. Cause you never know. And because we have access to the world now, why not lean into that and access it? If it's not your thing, fantastic. If you want to stay within 20 miles of somebody you want to date. Okay, cool. And I would invite you to be curious to what may happen in the next town or the next state or the next country, even. Yeah, I'm laughing because, um, you know, I have teenagers and I, I, some of them have dated online via Snapchat or Instagram, never met, mm -hmm. and broken up and they're devastated. So mm -hmm. <laughs> if they can do it, we can do it. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that kind of brings up another point is because I get asked this too, because we live right now in the midst of a pandemic and because we have global access, Dating, literally dating on FaceTime, literally dating on Zoom, like we're doing right now. Not that we're dating on Zoom. Probably should. Probably we're should. Almost all matching hoodies, man. Come on. We almost did. Yeah, yeah. Because we talked about this offline before we started. So I have a matching matching hoodie, just like just like Clint's. Um, I chose to wear pink today. Um, so uh, I have had um, I don't know a handful of Zoom dates, and they were wonderful. Because I get a sense of the energy. It's live. It's right here. I can see them. I can see what they look like. And, yeah. you know, it's, it, I'm not saying it's just like meeting them for coffee, but goodness gracious, you can get a lot out of, out of that type of interaction. Um, here's another thing I will say too, because we're kind of going back to what women are saying about dating specifically online. Mm. It just, it just came to mind is what I consistently hear is women want men to be decisive. They don't want an online pen pal. We're not going to carry on a text conversation for three weeks. Yeah. Ask her the hell out. <laughs> right. And I like to say this because I am coaching women. I'll say women, by the way, grown ass men do not hang out. Do not settle for the hangout. Mm. He needs to take you out. Yeah. <laughs> he needs to take you out on a date. Let's get a little chivalrous. Let's get a little old fashioned. That's the way I am. Right. That is what a man does. So please do not settle for the hangout. We're not hanging out tonight. Right. Um, those types of things can perhaps occur down the road in relationship. But when we're getting to know each other, women want men to be decisive. Even that high, powerful, high achieving woman. She wants him to say, hey, I would like to or I am inviting you to coffee tomorrow. At e or I'm inviting you to coffee on Tuesday or Thursday, which day works best. <gasps> when a woman hears that, like, she's like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Be decisive. Be decisive. So one of the biggest afflictions, little side note here, little caveat, Clint, is the, one of the greatest afflictions to masculinity is passivity. Mm. That is one of the biggest indictments that women have for men is he sits on his ass. And I don't mean in a lazy sense. 
I mean, in a decisive sense. Okay. He's allowing the world to pass him by. He may be kicking ass at work, but the rest of the world is just passing him by like, eh, whatever, honey, whatever you want. Honey, where would you like to go to dinner tonight? And he says, eh, whatever. When a man says whatever to a question like that, it seriously erodes the intimacy that she feels for him every single time. This is what men don't realize is we think that we are being kind, <laughs> right? We're allowing her to make the decision. She doesn't want it. I promise she doesn't want it. It's yeah. not that you're taking her power away or that she doesn't have a say, <laughs> but she wants her man to be decisive. And that goes, that goes for dating as well is choose, make the plans. If you're married, okay. I know not everybody on this call watching is married, but if you're married, make the plans, get the sitter, do it, make the reservations, take her out, tell her to pack a bag. Cause you're going on a plane in 20 minutes. Yeah. To me, to me, that was as, as a, as a also recovering codependent. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that was an, when I first realized that because I was just like, whatever, because Hey, I'm not a, I'll, I'm not a foodie. So it didn't really, that didn't bother me, but it was, you also just want to be accommodating so you can be liked and not left and all that stuff. Right. Absolutely. And when I, when I kind of realized that, that, that being taking charge is sexy to women and is appealing. And I was like, Oh shit, I had no freaking idea until I actually figured that. I mean, I, I, I was, you know, in classic codependent, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That, that was yeah. Me, me as well. Me as well. Cause I thought, Oh, you know, a good man, you know, allows a woman to make decisions and yeah. to please her and to give to her and not to be overbearing, mm. which, you know, and you and I have both alluded to this is that it's just the opposite, right? Women don't want the manipulation or the control. That's not what we're talking about. What they do want is they want decisiveness. They want a man to stand up and be a grown ass man mm. and make decisions, right? And ask and be supported, you know, and lean into her brilliance, <laughs> right? Again, we've talked about this, Women are smarter than we are, yep. right? but to leverage, to leverage um, her brilliance in that. But ultimately she wants, she wants a man to be decisive. So let's move on to the next topic of uh, when we, we've covered well, the good men, but let's talk about the height game. The what uh, game? Height. Height. Oh boy. Height. Oh let's boy. Open, let's open that can of worms. Okay. Sure. Um, so, so my perception um, and, and the call we did, what is the name of that project again? Sorry, so I can get it right. Deep Dive Project. The Deep Dive Project. Check it out. Yeah. It's awesome. We're actually, uh, yeah, we're actually doing that again tonight. As a matter is of fact. that tonight? Yeah. 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 We'll 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 do some more. We'll let you know. Yeah, I'm missing this one. I'm just I've got one of those days. Yeah, it's um, all good. Uh, but but in there, um, so my perception, I'm five foot ten. I have no height issues, but that's just how tall I am. Yeah. And my, my perception always has been, I would never, I've dated women the similar height as me, but never taller than me. Uh -huh. um, and then when we did the deep dive project, one of the, one of the ladies on there said, Oh, I want a man who's over six foot. Cause I want to look up to him and feel tall. And, and for me as a guy, I guess that, that kind of echoed all my fears in a quote of me yep. never dating someone taller than me. Yep. What, what is the perception? What, I mean, you, you chat to a lot of women. What's, what's mm -hmm. the take on height? Let's, let's yeah. just get it out there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I see, I see it all. I see that yeah. quite a bit, um, which then I'm always asking the question why, which is why, we, why the deep dive project is so powerful is then we got to hear why, like that particular woman said, Hey, I want to, okay. Why? Right. 
And that's what's so powerful about, and everybody has a prerogative. Everybody wants their deal, right? Mm -hmm. If I am, if I am providing coaching perspective feedback to someone and says, it's a deal breaker. He's got to be six foot. He's got to be six ten. He's got whatever, right? He can't be shorter than me. You know, whatever that means is one. I validate it. Fantastic. I get it. Can you tell me why? Help me understand. What is it about the height thing? So, and that particular woman alluded to, hey, I, I want uh, ultimate, I don't even think we got there. And I think I said something. But from my perspective, what I am hearing from that is I want to be protected mm -hmm. from a physical standpoint, right? Is there is this idea, okay, this, this sense that a man or someone taller than me can protect me from a physical standpoint. Um, okay. <laughs> may or may not be true. Right. But there, there is a, there is a uh, perception that, that that is true. I think more over, more often than not. Yes. Obviously we see the man being taller than the woman. Most of the time we see that. And, and so I think it's important to know why. <laughs> and I think every single individual has their reasoning. Um, if I were to break it down to really the DNA, to really the carnal aspects of the feminine, it's because she wants to be protected and feel safe. Yeah. And so there's this physicality that happens. Um, ultimately though, I mean, if you want to get down to brass tacks is how does a man protect a woman? Okay. Let's get into that. Right. So from a physical standpoint, if she feels safe, then we're going to dive down to even e more emotional tendencies. If she's only relying on the height, the physical stance of a man, but doesn't trust him, is he really protecting her? Yeah. Right. Mm. So does he have the emotional capacity, right? Does he have the confidence, even if he's three inches shorter than she is, if he has the emotional and physical, let's just get to the physical, but if he has the emotional capacity to protect her from a physical standpoint, right? Whether, by the way, whether it's his words or his body or both, there is something incredibly powerful about the way the feminine leans into that. So for me, as I'm actually talking through this, and this is just realizing, so it's happening live right here, <laughs> is that I think the initial response to, I want a man taller, is her experience is incredibly limited on the emotional capacity for a man to protect her. Mm. Because he knows it's very much on the looks thing, right? If he's six two and I'm five seven, she's thinking, I know he can protect me. What'd you say? And I can wear heels. <laughs> <laughs> and I can wear heels. I hear that often too. That's in every in online profile, like five, you yeah. know, five ten like to wear heels. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm just, I'm telling you, I like to wear heels. So which I'm I'm a guy, I'm five ten. We're 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 the same. I love a woman in heels. I I love it. And I think it's incredibly sexy. Um, but I would say that I would invite women to consider that, yes, if I see a man who is six inches taller than me, her innate want and desire, her true deep feminine, what's been there for centuries and centuries and centuries passed down, is that I see him and I know he can protect me by default. Mm. He may, she may meet him and he is not able to protect her on so many other levels. Yeah. Then height is 
height is minimal. So I would offer that perspective. I know that just came to me. <laughs> so, you know, because I, oftentimes we, obviously we judge a book by its cover, right? That's why the whole swipe right, swipe left thing happens. Well, that's fine. Because again, you and I, when we were dating, we saw a girl at high school. We saw her. Mm. We saw her. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not mince words. We were attracted to her physicality as she was attracted to ours. Yep. Duh. Right. When you met somebody at a club, you didn't walk up to somebody and go, man, you have a nice personality. No, you said you have a nice ass. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. Right. And then it went from there and let's not apologize for that. Come on. Right. We are both, by the way, equally visual and we are stimulated by the, the physical prowess of what we want and desire. That's a, that's a whole nother conversation. But I think the height thing is individual. And I would ask women and men who get caught up in that, to ask deeper questions of why. Because I think what well, safety and security is, it's way up there, Clint, way up there on what women have to have in their relationship. He has to be able to protect her from all kinds of dragons. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. Um, the next one is uh and i do want to get to we've got two from social that i, I really want to get to as well awesome. it's kind of it's kind of leads to the online thing as well um from the deep dive project is 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 he just after sex uh, um you know one of the ladies during that call we did said oh you know it's like three or four messages and then let's meet that means he's after one thing which mm. is sex right i i gave the perspective of Listen, if I say that, it's, 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 I'm not saying I want to have sex with you on a park bench. It's like, mm-hmm. I've got a busy life and I've got this gap. And if we're going to have a connection, let's get it. Let's figure it out. You know, the fail fast methodology. That's right. What feedback are you getting from your clients about, you know, especially when they, <laughs> when they're new to online dating and, and naive to it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. Uh, um, yeah. what's their take on, he just wants sex. Yeah. The, it, it, it's an interesting dichotomy as I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this because out of one corner of the feminine mouth, what I hear from, from women is, and I alluded to it earlier is why are we continuing to text for three weeks? Let's get to it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go have coffee. Right. I don't understand why we're continuing to go down this path. Then on the other side is like, he says, Hey, let's go grab coffee tomorrow. We've had a three hour text conversation back and forth during work. This feels like something I'd really like to lean into. And he says, Hey, let's go, let's go have coffee. And she may, because she's been somewhere before and that's happened and he meets for coffee and he's immediately goes into sexual innuendo. Right. And this happens, this happens all the time. And it happens in text messaging too. I hear this a lot. Women will say, why does he instantly go to sex? Why does he start talking about my body and how he wants to see it? And now he wants to show me his thing. <laughs> uh, ah, the elusive dick pic, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, that, or not elusive. Yeah. Oh, or not elusive. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, both, it's both and in the sense that you know very quickly, right? And women, again, smarter than we are, they know very quickly when you sit down with a man and it's, it suddenly just leans into that. And it's like, okay, so what's the end of this night going to be? And wink, wink, and I'm moving closer to you and now I'm touching you and all this. And she's like, whoa, mm-hmm. okay, you know very quickly what the motivation is, is in that. What I will offer women to 
an additional perspective is if he is leaning into his decisiveness and says, I like this banter, I have some availability on Wednesday or Friday. Let's meet for coffee. Lean into that. And then guess what? There's a possibility you made a mistake. That yeah, he's really after your body. Okay. As Ariana Grande said, thank you next. <laughs> right? It's okay. Thank. Yep. Hey, we had this time. Thank you for your time. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean you're an idiot because you couldn't see that beforehand. It's okay. As I like to say, date to learn, not date to love. Mm-hmm. Date to learn, not to love. So if, if when we go into the dating, like, oh, this may be the one. Oh, this may be the one. Oh, no. I hear this often. Women will say, I just can't get to a second date. I can't get to a third date because of my choice or his choice. But most of it is, is my choice. Oh, my gosh, we meet and he's just not anything that I thought he was going to be. So, so he, has a, he has a great pivot on expectations, right? Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, in, in, in this modern era where everyone's online, right, do, do, you, yep. do you find, and I've heard this a lot, you know, your clients will swipe with someone, they'll do the Facebook, st- Instagram yep. stalk thing, they'll look at his life, they'll have this picture in their head of this perfect man, and you know what, they, sure. they haven't even met the person, but they found, they found the one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that common? Yeah. You know, um, it, it brings to the, it brings this thought is people have asked me to boil down a lot of what I do when it comes to discernment and then, then they, and the dating space specifically is that I want to help women and men, but I want to help women specifically shrink the timeline, be in essence, a time traveler. Mm to be able to discern if someone is worthy of a first date long before they would go on a first date. And if they truly know themselves and do the work and understand what they want and desire, they're able to pick up on things very, very quickly and not go on the first date. Yeah. Right. And let's find, go look at the highlight reel on Facebook and Instagram, because let's not bullshit each other. That's what it is. Okay. So, and hopefully that we have some vulnerability there, ladies, that he has some vulnerability there, that he is showing how compassionate and loving he is to his children. If that's the case, if he has kids, if he's younger and doesn't have kids, what is he doing? You know, what is he posting? Look at his attitude, right? We can gain a lot from social media if we go underneath the layers of crap, right? And we can see, right? We can see when someone is putting on airs. Yeah. And then I always say this to women too. If you feel like that he's too good to be true, one probably is, and it's okay. It's okay. Not to ignore those yellow or red flags. Yeah. And in your text conversation prior to that first date, ask questions, ask questions. And if he is hesitant or shirks around the question or doesn't answer them, that's a huge red flag, not a yellow flag. It's a red flag, okay? Because I am of the opinion, and I bring this to my clients, is show up 100% on every text message, on every phone call, on every first date. Do not hold back. Be yourself. Be yourself from the very beginning because then you have nowhere to go but up, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no misgivings. There's no confusion. There's no, well, he didn't say, and then I recently had a friend who's like, 
went on a date and, and went on two dates. And then he sprung it on her that he had a child. And apparently there was conversation that he had no children or that it was alluded to in that way. And I thought to myself, did we ask the question? Now, I don't know the answer to that. I didn't ask that question of her, but did we ask the question? Did we do our research? Did we vet? Did we do our due diligence? Mm -hmm. Right? We can find those things out and ask the question. So tell me about your kids. Are you going to answer the question or, you you know, it's, it's super important. And I'm asked this too. What are off? What are some things that you never ask on a first date? Nothing. Mm -hmm. Ask anything. If it's truly you and your authenticity, if it's, you know, asking something out of the ordinary, that's not anything you care about. That's not, that's not authentic. That's not truly who you are, but ask questions that are meaningful. Like, what are your hopes and dreams? Like what, what, if your children were sitting here, what would they say about you? Mm. You're going to learn a lot. If he answers that question, if your ex was sitting here, what would she say? Right. Be bold to ask those questions. And if he doesn't answer them, that's probably, that's what that's going to do is that's going to ground you. If I'm speaking to the ladies here, that's going to ground you to a place to understand exactly what you want. And anything outside of that is less than what you deserve. And that's okay. That's okay. Always can, it goes back to my curiosity before critical is ask questions, engage with him and ask questions. And hopefully he's doing the same thing because everybody likes to talk about themselves. Let's be honest. Right. So, so I, I am super intrigued by a woman who asked me really profound, deep thought provoking questions like, Oh, she cares. Hmm." And, and for me, the, I guess, you know, many aha moments of the last couple of years, but if you, if you are unashamedly you, Mm -hmm. that's all you need to be right. And, and, and that, and, and as, as a, you know, recovering people pleaser and fucking codependent and nice guy and all that's and all that stuff, right. You always wanted to be everyone for everything and and make it, and that's fucking exhausting. And it's, it, it, it is so exhausting, but if you, the reality, and that's where my whole fail fast methodology comes in, right? Is because mm-hmm. this is me. If you don't like me, that's cool, yeah. right? Because yeah. rather let that happen within the first hour rather than six, 12, 18 months down the line where you finally, you know, unmask yourself and say, well, listen, yeah, this is who I am. Yep. Um, because you waste exactly. a whole lot of time and energy and, and we'll end up with a broken heart. That's right. That's right. And that's, and, and we're so, this goes back to knowing the self and vulnerability, shame, yeah. resiliency right? Forgiveness of the self to say, Hey, this is me. This is me. Take it or leave it. Right. Um, I'm not leaving it right. Here's, here's a next level confidence is I'm not leaving it. I love who I am. Mm. Right. And say it with confidence and vulnerability. Right. And yep. humility. I let, if I'm talking to myself, I love David Lee. I love him. I think he's tremendous, not from an ego, but from a confidence standpoint, I like who I am. And I am inviting you into this space to see if it makes sense for us to continue on. Yeah. Right? And I want the same from a woman. I want her to know who she is. Right. I want her to lean in fully and be herself. You can't, to your point, it was beautifully said, Clint, is you can't go wrong when you're yourself. <laughs> you just, there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Right. So I'm just going through our questions here. We've done online dating. We've done the intimidation thing there. So a question from Deborah steps together online. Um, 
<laughs> she she nailed it. Why do men find it so hard to date strong, independent women? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then I said, when I say hard, I hear men say that expect for intimacy, they don't feel seem to be needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think we, we We've touched on that a little bit at the top of the call. Yeah. yeah. Is um, we have this, we do, we have the strong desire to be wanted and desired and needed. Um, it's when we go f- too far to where our value is then placed on being needed. Mm. So what I want to offer is that, and I really boil this down in our first few sessions with clients is that ultimately um, our addiction to attachment is really the root cause of so much relational complexity. And what I mean by that is, and there's this, there, there are many theories that are running around as far as attachment theory and those types of things. I am of the, and I have the book sitting right here because I always do. Um, it's called The Way to Love and it's this itty bitty little book. Um, it's like five bucks on Amazon, but I give it to all of my clients and I you know, teach from this initially when I bring new clients on is it, it talks about this idea of letting everything go is to not be attached to anything or anyone. So it's not a, an elusive attachment. It's not a healthy attachment. It's like, well, you can be attached to your kids and that's healthy. My theory, and it's, you know, and it's, you know, Anthony DeMello, a, a, an amazing um, um, priest who's gone now, but he's, he's this amazing master, Jedi master, if you will. Um, uh, he says that any type of attachment to anything um, brings you to a place of, I have to have something. I need it. So I want to move from need to want. So I want to be wanted. I don't ever want to be needed, right? I want somebody to pursue me. I want a woman to pursue me. I want a woman to want me, but need is attachment. Need is codependency, Mm. right? And we can throw around semantics and words and all that kind of thing. But I think it's an important distinction between want and need that attachment of any kind. I even provide this little illustration. Imagine Sally, let's just use Sally, that everything you wake up tomorrow and everything is gone. The house, the kids, the money, the job, the neighborhood, family, friends, it's all gone. It's just you sitting in a bed of ashes, right? (laughs) Um, Game of Thrones just came to my mind. Um, But um, it's just you. There's nothing else. It's just you. That you are going to be so secure that you will move forward and you will thrive. Because you have brought to a place of where everything else is taken and you only desire and need, or I'm sorry, want you. Super hard to get to, super, super hard to even get your mind wrapped around this idea that I don't need anyone. Boy, do I want them though. Woo, right? I want to be wanted. I don't want to be needed. Because then again, that goes back into, and so the, the, the elusiveness to what, to what the, the online individual is saying is that he feels like he has, he is needed by a woman. Like if I don't, if she doesn't need me, then what's my place? Well, now we're attached to the fact that someone needs you. Okay. So if, if he's feeling again, intimidated by that strong, powerful, independent woman, he's not ready. Mm. He's not ready. He is not secure in who he is, that no matter what he is or does, how much money he makes, what he looks like, how many times he spends at the gym, it doesn't matter. Because if he's putting all that in front of him, 
then he's attracting someone who needs him, right? Not someone who wants him. Yeah. So um, it's interesting to go ahead. What's that? I said, no, I said, that's a great distinction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Was there another one? Next one. Um, Let's open this rabbit hole. Why not? Uh, (laughs) You like rabbit holes, Clint. Yeah. Yeah. Why are men so turned off by bigger women? Um, From my research, I'm told they are more playful, better in bed, and interested more in their man instead of worrying about how their body is looking during those times. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's, uh, that's complex. Um, well, I think that I, here's, here's how I will uh, address that. Um, th- this is again, interesting. It's an interesting container. I'm going to plug the unwed again. Um, this group, this online group here in the States, um, of 5,000 divorced individuals. Um, this question often comes up from, from the feminine. Hey, why are guys so preoccupied with looks? Why can't they just love a woman for who she is? Those types of those questions. Mm. Um, what does it matter if she's a size four, whatever? Why, why do all men want to go after the model? You know, these, these types of things. Um, so I think there's, there's, there's several ways to approach this. What I tend to crash into with this is, is this, and it goes back to retreat events that I lead. I take, I take my clients um, through an exercise, through some content called elevated relationships. And what I ask them to do is to go through this and to write down their perfect person, like character traits. What do they look like? I, I mean, just go crazy, like no holds barred, nothing's off the table, want it all, right? And so then I had them do that and they share. And then we come back to the collective group and we have the conversation and I put a slide up that has my list. Right. And it's about, I don't know, 17 words. Okay. None of it has anything to do with what they look like. None of it has anything to do with their height, (laughs) has to do with what size shoe they wear, uh, their boobs, what bra, none of it. Okay. And so then we go into the whole, and this is what really tackles the height thing, right? Or the, he needs to be this or that, and he needs to go to the gym four times a week and, you know, all that kind of thing. So using that as a framework, um, what's interesting is I have the ladies read my list out loud on the screen. Okay. And then I say this, close your eyes. What does she look like? And every single time they're like, oh my gosh, she's, she's this, she's fit. She's taking care of herself. She does this, this, and this, and this. And then I have them open their eyes again and look, is there anything on there that says, of how tall she is or what size she is or right. The point is, (laughs) and this is when I really crash in, let's not bullshit. Okay. I used to, I I am a yoga instructor. I used to teach all the time. I have since put that away and I, I, I teach in, in various smaller capacities. And then I would teach exercise classes in other ways too. And I would say this as a joke, wink, wink, especially with the people that were new to those classes. I would say, why are you here? Like before the class starts, I'm like, why are you here? Right. And so many people are like, I want to be healthy. I want to be, I want to, I want longevity so I can be around for my children. I want to be able to play with my grandchildren. I want to be healthy. I want to take it. Okay. And then I, I listen to it all. I validate it all. I hear you. And this is what I say. And <laughs> I think you're also here to look good naked. 
<laughs> everybody has this little silly chuckle. Okay. And as Jerry Seinfeld once said, comedy is only the truth. Yeah. That's it. Why do we laugh at comedy? Because it's true. So I'm breaking the ice there and I say, come on, let's quit bullshitting. We all want to look amazing with nothing on. Mm. Well, yes, of course we do. But, right, we always had that but. So when it comes to physicality, when it comes to health, when it comes to fitness, when it comes to body, when it comes to all of those things, that's what I return to is let's not dance around the obvious. Everyone is attracted to physicality. I have a firm belief that we settle. I've settled, people have settled for me, et cetera, et cetera, okay, in various capacities, because we don't think we can have it all. I've, this is going to be controversial, so get ready, Clint. Um, I have always pushed against the, and God bless you, Oprah. I do, I'm, I'm looking forward to being interviewed you on a Sunday someday, <laughs> but I've always pushed against the whole, hey, it's personality over anything physical. Or if you desire someone because their body looks a certain way, it's vain. And I push up against that. I really do. And I say, you know, when I hear folks who say, yeah, I'm perfectly comfortable hundred pounds overweight or 50 pounds overweight, or I just never lost the baby weight and I'm fine. <laughs> I know what it feels like to be fit. I know what it feels. You do too, right? You've been a professional athlete. You, you, you just know what that feels like. Confidence level of mental, physical acuity, your body feels great. You feel confident, you're healthy, you're eating well, all of those types of things. That's optimum. And it's so freaking hard, <laughs> right? It is so hard to eat, right? Exercise, do all those things for so many of us on the planet. Mm. So for me, I am attracted to someone who thinks the same. Now, what does she look like? It's, it's almost a cherry on top. Because she's taking care of her wholeness, she's done the work, it just is automatically a narrative that says, of course, she's in the gym. Of course, she's doing yoga. Of course, she's taking care of her nutrition. Of course, she's aware of her mental health, right? all of those things. And therefore, her body looks a certain way. And that's what I'm attracted to. I am not, I, I'm going to lean into that and say, on the other corner of my mouth, I'll say this. Everyone has their preference. Everyone has their preference. And <laughs> I will challenge, you know, and really say, is that what you really desire? Is that what, is that what you really, wouldn't you want that for yourself? And I think we have this interesting counterbalance between, well, it's just, this is as good as it gets. As Jack Nicholson once said, right. Mm -hmm. eh, you know, I'm getting older. So, you know, those things aren't as important right? I'm over 40. Yeah. I can't quite lose the weight. I can't quite be as fit as I once was. I know plenty of folks in our age bracket, let's just use that and above who are incredibly fit and take care of themselves and have an incredibly balanced life. So I think that in that question, and God bless the question. I, I love this question. I would, I would always invite someone to be curious about what's behind the question. Right. Like, why are we why are we asking why men are attracted to this or women are attracted to this or and, and in my space, I will say, Clint, more often than not, what I hear from women is that they are settling on the physical part of the masculine because he's kind. He's funny. He has a great job. He's a great dad. Well, he's 
you know, 30 pounds overweight. He hasn't been in the gym in 10 years. Yeah, but what I will say to that is because he's not taking care of his body, there is something going on. Mm. It is far more than just the way he looks in a 32 pant. And I invite women and men to really look deeply. Ultimately, what I want, folks, I want them to want and achieve and have it all. Why not? <laughs> We're only on this planet for so long. Yeah. Why are we settling for, I mean, I love your whole, so I love you, brother, is you're like, I am in this space and I'm perfectly content and happy. Mm. So why would I invite a nine into my 10 world? And what your 10 is, is your 10. But why would you invite a nine or an eight or a seven and a half? You ain't got time. You ain't got time. No. You got shit to do. Daddy's right? going to go surfing, right? <laughs> right. You'd rather go surfing. And that's, that's great. That's fantastic. Right. I would rather hang out with my kids. I'd rather go to the gym. I'd rather, you know, whatever. Right. You know, whatever. All my stuff. So, but again, it, it goes back to that whole, oh, we got to be coupled. We got to be together. I got to have somebody. Well, scarcity lends to scarcity, which means eh, nine's good enough. You know, you know what the, the, um, the whole health thing, which is quite interesting. I've been kind of, you know, obsessed with it my whole life, obviously because of sport, but I've never until this year. And that's where COVID has been so good when I haven't been flying around the world speaking, because that's, you know, kind of what I did is yep. it's the first time I've looked after myself physically mm. for food with good food. And, and that really pulls back to, to, to self-love and self-worth. Now, I could have afforded to have, you know, the best meat and the grass and organic. I can afford that, but I never chose to buy that because I never valued myself. It, does that make sense? So, so as part of that, looking after yourself, you know, I mean, I, like I bought a sauna. I mean, it's, yep. they're not expensive, but that's all part of my routine to make sure that I'm as optimal as I can be. And I would exactly. have never invested that time and money. I mean, you, and you're talking like $5 more for a steak, but still right. it, because because I got to that position where I fucking love myself, yep. I'm happy to invest to make sure the engine is running as optimally as possible. And, I, and, I, and, and my perception of my struggles, I'm assuming a lot of people can resonate with that. If you don't have that love for yourself, you don't think you're worth it. You don't invest the time mm -hmm. in yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and, and therefore, it doesn't become a priority where it is the number one priority in my perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And I love your perspective, Clint, that this, it's about you. Yeah. It's not about... It's not about attracting the right woman who is attracted to your body. It's about you doing it for you and the right woman will be doing it for her. Mm. And then you will, you two will crush them out and go, Oh, you bought a sauna too. <laughs> right? yeah. Oh, you, you are, you are purchasing the better meat, you know, whatever. So mm. it has to be, and I love your confidence too, as me. And it's taken me a long time. I've gone through a lot of self body shaming shit a lot. Mm -hmm. And now for the first time over the couple of years is I love me. I, I, I love my body. I love my body. Now I love my body when it's more optimal. I still love my body when it's not so. Um, and I'm always, so it's, it, it's this, it's this grounding. It's this home base that says, I love my body no matter what. And I can optimize. Yeah. I can always improve, right? I can always get to a place where I feel like the machine is working better. And that's, what's important. So we get caught up in the vanity side of it and, you know, 
what's wrong with this type of body or I, this is my preference. And, and I think it's so much to what we've been talking about and alluding to is it's so much more than that because you're attracted to what you want and desire. So let's start with the self first because mm. that's going to naturally attract the similar in either the feminine or the masculine. Well, you said in the beginning of the call, I think you mirror what you are in your life, right? So whatever you, sure. whatever you are, you're going to mirror back. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Should we wrap things up, sir? Let's do it. If, if, Let's do it. I think if I didn't have to get my kids to school, we'd keep going till. I'm sure we would. And I, yeah. And I have another call. So it, you know what? It's the universe. It's God saying, <laughs> look, dudes, yeah. it's time. We can pick up and we can do another call. We always, you know. I, yeah, I my, almost my, said we always have more time. Yeah. My youngest actually wants to catch the bus to school and not me, let me drive her. So I'm not going to miss out on that opportunity. I'm like, I'm oh, in. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Check. So, yeah, so, so let's thanks. Well, thanks so much for your time. And I, I, I you, appreciate your honesty. And, and it's just, yeah, it's been, yeah, love you back. And it's been so wonderful. You, you and I look forward to us working together big time. Absolutely. Time. For sure. So, so just in terms of daring deeply, where can people find you? Um, you, you know, what's next, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And what services do you offer? Just a shameless plug. Go. Absolutely. Yeah. I have no shame. Um, <laughs> so yeah, daring deeply, as you kind of see right here, uh, the website is daring dash deeply.com. You can find me on the World Wide web as they used mm-hmm. to say. Um, I'm on, I have a huge presence on Facebook and Instagram, um, I have a couple of free groups on Facebook specifically for women. Um, I hold retreats and workshops. And then I specifically work with women in a couple of different facets, one-on-one coaching, which looks very much like this over Zoom, over the country in the world. And then I work in a, a mastermind capacity where I have clients who do a group coaching environment as well. So um, I invite, you know, I primarily work with women between the ages of 35 and 60, high achieving professional women looking to and moving through transition, whether it's post-divorce, uh, looking really to optimize and, and understand a large chunk of what we were talking about today, right? In the dating. And I work with women too and trying to figure out the whole new career as well. So sweet. Yeah. Thank you very much. So so we'll put all your links to your socials in the show notes. Um, yes, but a closing thought for uh, your demographic, high achieving professional woman who's mm-hmm. who's come out of the spin cycle. Final yeah, surf in a divorce like situation. Any, mm-hmm. any closing words of thought, um, uh, maybe comfort um, as they enter the new phase of their life? Yeah, um, I think it's. I think it's important. It, it, it's a. It's a. It's a both. I'll, I'll leave this. It just came to mind. I love this. So this is what I say to every pr- prospective client. I have the honor to have a conversation with Clint. This is what I say. Ultimately, what I want to provide is this, and and I will use me. As an example, this is what I want to say to David every single morning when I get up in the mirror. David, I love you, brother, just as you are with all your crap and all your bruises and all your scars and all the stuff, just as you are with all the mistakes that you've made and all the joys and the beauty that you have found just right here today. I love you just as you are. And I love you more not to leave you there. That's this idea of grace and accountability. And that's what I want to provide my clients and myself, my children, is it's okay to be okay. It's okay to be jacked. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to come out of a situation, out of a divorce, out of a relationship and be angry. It's okay right where you are. And I'm going to provide the emotional landscape, right, for you to be challenged for more and to realize that transformation and growth and healing is ultimately your future, not your past. 
That's a beautiful note to end off with. David, thank you so much again for your time and have a magic day. You too. Thanks, Clint.